Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I can't believe we're wrapping up this season. It just feels like we just started. I don't know where the time goes, but I am so excited about my guest today. I heard her maybe a year ago at a district network conference called Roar. And one of the most impactful speakers I have heard in a long time, and I hear a lot of speakers, so that tells you you need to lean in today. I am bringing to you Christina Girma Hanfrey, and she and her husband co-pastor Overflow City Church. She co-pastors with her husband, Paul. They planted Overflow City Church in the heart of downtown Silver Springs, Maryland in September of 18. So they haven't been there very long. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that my husband and I pastor on the other side of D.C. We're on the south side, but we're in this kind of same region with a heart for uh, the DMV area. And since they've started this church, they have seen God do amazing things in their community. Christina is passionate about teaching, discipleship. We're going to talk about healthy discipleship today and seeing women empowered to step into the fullness of who God has called them to be. Amen to that. Additionally, she is a faith-based premarital counselor who's committed to seeing couples build healthy, Christ-centered marriages. So what you're seeing already is this pattern of healthy discipleship, healthy spirituality, healthy marriages, and we're going to talk about healthy habits for longevity and ministry. How can we go the distance in what God has called us to do? So Pastor Christina, it is such an honor to have you here. So welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. Thank you so much, Angela, for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, the moment I heard you, actually, I was sitting still in the uh, church that Sunday, I think, or that that, uh, Saturday, I think we were at West End Assembly, and literally messaged you on Instagram as soon as you were done and said, (laughs) we'd love to host you. Uh, Such a powerful voice in our generation. So I think that we are getting you early. I'm just sensing that God is doing something extraordinary through you and your husband. And so there's going to be a day where you're going to be hard to get on a podcast. So we are so honored to have you here because I can already see the expansion that God has been doing in your ministry. And so walk us through a little bit of your story and uh, where you come from, all the things you might be new to our audience. So welcome and just, just invite us into who you are. Yeah. So, um, so I was a little bit about my background and just who I am. So I was born and raised in Athens, Greece to an Ethiopian mother and an Italian father. Um, and I was born at a very interesting time. Uh, my mother had actually escaped Ethiopia during the time when there was a war that was breaking out. It was a communist country at the time. And she just knew she had to get out there. So at eight months pregnant, she left Ethiopia with just the clothes on her back went to Greece. That was the closest country she could escape to. And a month later in a country that she had, you know, didn't know the culture, didn't speak the language, uh, gave birth to me there. And God was really faithful in that season to connect her with um, the the OBGYN that happened to help her through the last month of her pregnancy, ended up really just getting involved in our lives. She became a godsend and became my godmother eventually, but she really helped us get acclimated to the country and then find our place. And really it was um, it was a time in my life growing up in Greece where God really just made his presence and his provision and his protection really just tangibly sensed in our lives in both my mother and my life as well. And so growing up, I, I, I was 
surrounded by a mother who was a prayer warrior. She prayed day and night, night and day. That was the only thing she knew how to do. And so I grew up in that culture where I really understood and saw from my mother what having an intimate relationship with the Lord looked like. And even though at that time I was too young to understand the depth of it, I knew there was an impact it made in her life. And so uh, I was I was raised in Greece. By the time I was about 11 years old, we moved to Canada because some of our extended family lived there at that time. And we felt it was time to be reunited with more family. And so I moved to Canada. Um, the first city I lived in was Winnipeg. And um, I, I went to school there, did my high school years there, all that fun stuff. At 13 years old, however, there was a very, very interesting and what I would actually call my first encounter with the Lord. Um, I remember it was this one day at our church, there was a conference happening and my mother was the type of woman who, until you turn 18, you will have no choice but to come to church with me, to sit in through services. Yeah. When you're 18, yeah. I'll give you the freedom to choose. But before that, you're doing what I'm doing. And so, um, so this one day at 13 years old, I'll never forget it. There was a conference happening at our church and my mother picked me up and she said, we're going to church. You're going to sit through the service with me. The service ends. And as it's wrapping up, the guest speaker felt in his heart that the Lord was prompting him to pray for the next generation. And so he invited all the youth and the kids of the church to come to the front. He just said, I really feel strongly that the Lord is saying, I need to pray a prayer of blessing over the next generation. And so he invites all the kids and the youth to come out. And everybody walks out and I just sit on my chair. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing the whole walking to the front thing. I don't believe in that. If God is there, he'll meet me where I'm at. And as a 13 year old who didn't really know much, I just had this like sassy attitude when it came to what my relationship with God was going to look like. And I'll never forget it. My mom and I are sitting in the pews and we have our heads bowed because everybody is praying. And me and my mother are having an argument underneath our, like just sitting in the pews, like get up and go get prayed for. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go. If God wants to meet me, you'll meet me here. And while we're arguing back and forth, all of a sudden I hear the speaker say, tap the girl that's wearing the green shirt. Ooh. And there was, there were um, nursing mothers that were kind of standing behind me. There was like a section for nursing moms to kind of just be able to, to be there and still partake in service. And I'll never forget it. One of the moms she, I felt her tap my shoulder and I thought this, this can't possibly be, he's not possibly talking about me. And I look up and he says, the Lord has a word for you. You need to come to the front. And I just remember being like, this is not happening. And the whole time in my head, I'm having this argument with God, like, God, you are not going to do the one thing I like, this is not going to happen. And so <laughs> against, you know, my choice in that moment, they just, I had to get up and go. So I walked to the front. And as I'm walking down the aisle, I begin to sense power over me that I had never sensed before. And it starts from my feet and it goes all the way to my knees and then it goes up to my legs. And I just feel the power just increasing and increasing to the point where I could no longer stand. Wow. And even as that's happening, my mind is saying, you are not going to fall. You are not going to be like those people. You're going to hold your balance and you're going to stand up straight. And I just remember by the time I made it in front of him, I just, I couldn't stand on my legs. I had no sensation. I had no power. Mm. And I knew there is something going on. And I'll never forget it. That was the first day as a 13 year old where God spoke a prophetic. There was a prophetic word released over my life. And it was, I've called you and I've set you apart to be the voice for the next generation. And there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to do in and through your life over the next few years. You're going to more than likely forget what I spoke to you today, but there's going to be a time where this day is going to come back to you. And you're going to remember that I am faithful to finish what I start and what I have spoken. And one of the words that was spoken in that day was that uh, the, the ministry and the things that I've called you to do, you're not going to do in your homeland. Mm. 
And I remember just like thinking about like, what, what does that mean? Because I really love my life in Canada. Like I am not trying to leave this space and what is God trying to do? And it was just a lot that I was trying to process. And so that prophetic word gets released. And from 13 to about 21, I kind of went through a season where I was so terrified by the magnitude of what was spoken over my life that I thought the best thing I could do was run away from it. Mm -hmm. And so instead of feeling empowered and excited that God is going to do this big thing through my life, it actually terrified me and it caused me to run away. And I went through a period of time in my life where I was just so distant from the Lord because I was so scared as to what that was going to look like if it came to fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And so I began pursuing everything that was in direct opposite of what God had spoken. I went and you know, did my under, uh, did undergrad in political science. I was going to pursue law school. I mean, I was going in the exact opposite direction of what God had spoken. And it's so interesting because in those years, as I was pursuing everything that was in direct contrast to what God had spoken, uh, there was still grace for it. God gave me the room to run and to do the things that I wanted to do. And as I was doing them, the interesting part was that I was still experiencing success on the surface. I was excelling in my studies. I was getting opportunities for careers that were great. And all these things on the outside were happening. But on the inside, I began experiencing a lack of joy, a lack of contentment. There was something missing. I couldn't figure out what it was. I wasn't happy. And then I'll never forget it. I was about 21, 21. I came home from work one day and my mom saw my face and she just recognized something was not right. And she pulled me to the side and she said, you're an adult and I don't, I'm never going to tell you what to do. And I'm never going to tell you how you should live your life. But as my daughter, I noticed that there's a sense of joy that's missing out of your life. And I don't know what it is, but as your mom, it pains me to see it. And is there anything I can do? Can you talk to me and tell me where you think this is coming from? Mm. And I just couldn't explain it to her because I myself had no idea what it was rooted in. And through conversation, my mom begins to kind of go down a checklist. Like, are you happy at work? Are you, do you have, like, are you happy with your friendships? Are you, are you good with, and she just kind of goes down the checklist. And then finally she says, are you good with God? Mm. And I'll never forget it. I, she, she asked that question and something just like a light bulb went on. I, I was like, okay, th this question I can't answer confidently because I really don't know where I'm at with God. And I, in fact, I don't, I don't even think I have thought about God in the last few years of my life. And so that began, it just sort of triggered this curiosity of, is this the root of my, of my unhappiness, of my lack of joy? Is this what's causing all of these things? And so for the next few weeks, I just started going on this journey of trying to rediscover really where I was with God. Mm. And I'll never forget it. About a month after that conversation, I came home one day, I sat in my room, locked the door, and I said, God, you and I have not talked in a long time, and we haven't had a relationship in a very long time. And I'm starting to realize that perhaps the decision I made to keep you out of certain things in my life may be the root of my unhappiness right now, what I'm dealing with and what I'm experiencing. And I'll never forget this. I said, God, if you if you are willing to give me a second chance and if you're just willing to to let me back in, to accept me back again, then I want to do it right. And this time I want to do it with you. Mm -hmm. And. I, I prayed that prayer. I began sobbing. And for the first time since 13 years old at 21, I started feeling that same presence around me that I had felt walking down that aisle. And I knew I was like, this is God and he's here and I've invited him and he's back and he's giving me the chance. And so from that moment on, from, from, from that day on, 
I walked away from the things in my life that I knew were not um, serving a purpose and helping me grow closer to God. And that meant walking away from relationships, walking away from friendships, walking away from certain opportunities. I walked away from a lot of things and I closed the door on a lot of things that were very hard to close the door on. And I said, I need to to get myself into a church and I need to sit under people that are going to disciple me and teach me and help me to get back on the right track with God. And that began the process of just walking with God again in a way that was healthy. And that's why the word healthy discipleship, healthy is so important to me because for a long time prior to that, I was doing it, but it wasn't healthy. It wasn't life giving. It wasn't transformative. And so when I got back um, into church and when I gave my life to the Lord again, and I began the journey again, I realized how important it was to do it in a way that it was healthy so that it could last it could be secure, it could be strong, and it could be transformative. And so uh, I was blessed to get into a church community where a lot of people saw the potential, saw the things that God had spoken over my life and were willing to partner with God to pour into me. And so uh, that began, you know, process of discipleship and then opportunities for serving came. And through that, I began to discover more of my gifts and where I was supposed to be. And and the rest is sort of history. <laughs> wow, what a powerful story. There's so many there's so many moments there that I wanted. I didn't want to interrupt you, but there's so many moments that I thought were so impactful. First, the, the presence of a strong female. And I love that your mom was just from the very beginning. And then the willingness on her part to say something is not right here. I think that really speaks to us. If you're a mom or a dad to say, be intuitive, be present, um, ask those sometimes hard questions. If you don't know what to say, begin to pray when you can sense that something is not right. And this fact that, this empowering prophetic word over you became almost, uh, uh, I don't want to say a stumbling block, but like you've said, a, a challenge, a place of fear. And I've heard that sadly, I've heard that repeated. Let's talk about that for a minute, because there are moments where God uh, says something over our lives, speaks something over our lives. And, and then we end up running the other way from it. And it's, and it takes some kind of a, a, a life you know, impactful moment to turn that back around. Why do you think that's the case? What can we do to even help foster even a healthy approach to receiving what God is saying to us in different seasons, rather than it becoming something we're paralyzed by? Yeah, I think it it kind of boils down to a couple of things. One, I think it's really, really important that more than what God has spoken over your life, that you have clarity on what his heart for you is. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of times we take prophetic words or we take the things that God has spoken over our lives. And we sometimes have the tendency of misinterpreting it as God's final decision for us, or this is what he wants us to do. And he's taking away our freedom to choose what we want to do. And we begin to have a a negative perception of who God is that can sometimes cause us to either just be very, uh, very reluctant and moving in that direction and, or be very frightened by it that we run away. And I think taking the moment to understand, but what is God's heart for me. Mm-hmm. And what does he, what does he feel for me? What does he see for me? How does he, how does he see me? How does he embrace me? And I think understanding God as a father who loves and who cares for and who nurtures us allows us to understand or have a better framework for where these prophetic words are coming from. That's so I think so that's, 
I think that's very, very important. And at that time, to be honest with you, as a 13 year old, I grew up in church. I never missed a Sunday in my life growing up. I always in church, all Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays, prayer, every, I was there all the time. And I knew who God was from the standpoint of this divine, great, big, powerful being. But it, it's such, it's so different to know God as the father, the friend, the comforter, the lover of your soul. Those things really begin to change how you receive things from the Lord. And as a 13 year old, I knew him as this big, powerful being, but I didn't yet know him as a loving heavenly father. And I think those things are so important in helping people understand that when God speaks this over your life, he's not just speaking it over your life because he's God and because he can, but he's speaking this over your life because he's your father and because he loves you and because he's mm. always thinking of the best things for you. And I think that's so important. And the second thing that I think really makes a difference is having the right people around you that can help you understand what is going on. Sure. And that's looking back in my life, I realized that as a 13 year old, yes, I went, I was part of my mom's church and there were a bunch of adults, but there were never really people in that season of my life for where I was at that were able to come along and say, Hey, this is, this is what this means. And this is how you begin to walk towards it and kind of help you understand what is being released and spoken over your life and then provide the the proper mentorship and discipleship that helps unpack that in ways that you now begin to understand and yield your life to. So I think it's mm. a combination of those two things. Yeah, that's so insightful because really you can see as you're sharing this with us, the the way that served as a catalyst for the passion you have now for discipleship. You saw some lack, some gaps, even though you're raising the church. And that challenges me even as a pastor, are our teenagers especially receiving this under solid understanding of the character of God, because you're right. I mean, you're 13. I mean, it's, it's not like we're having this conversation now and we, we have a broader understanding and we're more mature and we, we can step back and say, Oh God, whatever he has for me is good at that age. Sure. It's easy to just think, Oh my goodness, I don't know what this means for me. And I want power of choice over my life and agency or what if he asks me to, you know, move somewhere crazy or do something? Right. We started uh, attaching all of these what ifs to to God, not fully knowing his character yet. Exactly. So you're speaking to so many wonderful needed moments for us, not only as parents, if you're listening to your parent, or if you're a leader, a pastor, or just for you personally to know, get around you that sense of community that's going to help you grow mm -hmm. to know how to process what it is that exactly. God is saying into your life. It's one thing to, to hear what he's saying through the word, through messages. It's another than to process that right. um, well, and right. to know what to do with what's being said over you rather than running from it out of reluctance or resistance. So Christina, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you meet your husband, you end up in ministry. Uh, if you're watching this, you look 21. So obviously you're not 21, but you look really <laughs> young. So, uh, so your life kind of takes this dramatic turn. You, you begin to be discipled really yourself. And we're going to talk in just a moment about some healthy habits for discipleship and longevity. But where did you meet your husband? How did you feel that call and that pull into ministry? Because you serve as a co-pastor alongside of him. So you're, yeah. you're in the, not that anyone who's not in ministry as a spouse is not in the thick of it, but, but there's a, there's a call on your life as well to ministry and to pastoral ministry. So talk a little bit about that, how you came to know that's what God was saying and did you receive that kind of confirmation of your call before you were married or did it happen in tandem? I'm thinking about my own life trajectory. So I'd love to hear, <laughs> right. kind of hear so, how that happened with you. Right. So with the church 
planting. So I met my husband in 2014. We met through a mutual friend. And obviously I was living in Canada. He was living here in the U.S. He was living in, in Virginia at the time. And so we met through a mutual friend. And, you know, one of the first kind of conversations we had even before we started dating, just as we were friends and getting to know each other is, what do you feel God has called you to do in your life? And in those conversations, it became very clear that he knew he was called to ministry and I knew I was called to ministry. And okay. in fact, I'll never forget it. One of the conversations we had was, do you know in what areas or in what capacity God is calling you? And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm still holding on to that word as a 13 year old. And I'm, and this time around, I'm trying to do it right and stay faithful to that. But I do know that one of the things God has made very clear is church planting in my life. And I don't know in, in what in what space and how that's going to happen. But I do know that is what's going to happen. And I'll never forget it. We were having this conversation face to face and his lies just like eyes just lit up because he was like, this is what I really feel like the Lord is also calling me to do. Mm. And so there was a very quick connection on the vision and on the calling that God had given us separately and individually that in that time when we talked really just came together. So just seamlessly just came together really, really clearly. And so we got married in 2016 and on our flight back from our honeymoon, we were talking about church planting. And yeah. that's that's how quickly we got right into it. And so we um, we came back from our honeymoon and we got immersed right away into the church planting process, into the planning. We spent a good first few months just like really saturating everything in prayer, just praying to seek God for the right timing, praying to seek God for direction, praying to seek God for uh, resources and people that can come alongside of us and really help us. And so we spent a good few months doing that. And while we were doing that, my husband was leading a young adult ministry at the time at his dad's church. And so we were faithful with that. We were, we were maintaining that being faithful with that while still praying and seeking the Lord out for the timing of when the church plant was going to happen. Mm. And so we did that for about a year. And after a year um, in 2018 is when we finally moved forward and launched um, Overflow City Church. And that's kind of been a very brief way of how things sort of happened with church planting. Yeah, but you're still outlining the process because people hear the word calling. And what I try to share with women as I mentor them is calling is not a destination. Sometimes we can yeah. put it out there somewhere. Calling is uh, how God is going to, how he's wired you, your own uh, makeup and how he's going to use that for his kingdom in specific ways. We're all called to love God and love people. Right. But as you said, what is the, the specific area in which you think God is calling you to? Because the kingdom is broad. The kingdom Absolutely. is large. So mm -hmm. God gave you this confirmation in both of your hearts, which gave you the freedom to move forward, not only in relationship, but also in ministry. And that helps us to recognize there's a process involved there's also an alignment of passions and that can give yes. us confidence to know if God calls us to something, you, we don't need to be afraid. He's right. going to confirm that in usually myriads of ways. Yes. You confirmed it in your own heart through prayer. You didn't just rush right in. You guys follow this process and the steps that those are so, it seems like a, a quick kind of conversation that you're having, but there's a lot of wisdom in what Christine is offering us guys, which is there's a process. There's a surrendering of the process to the Lord. Is yeah. this the right timing, the right person, the right next steps? Right. Um, and, and recognizing that there's pivots and shifts and adjustments right. that have to be made even before, yeah. you know, we launched this, you know, actually recording, we were discussing that you're about to go to two services. That's a yeah. new adjustment. That's a new, right. and, and this has been relatively quick. I mean, you meet, yeah. 
you get married, you launch a church. Yeah. Now it's five yeah. years later, you're at two services. So, um, but it sounds quick, but the preparation yeah. that God did in your heart. Yeah. And if you're it's looking, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the people that win American Idol, for example, and people are like, oh, yeah. you're overnight success. Well, you didn't see me yeah. for 10 years, like, you know, going over here and singing for eight people right. at a mall. So there's, there are the occasional moments where things just yeah. happen on a dime more yeah. often than not. And especially yeah. scripturally, there is quite a, a wilderness period. There's right. a preparation period. There's yeah. prayer, there's yeah. community. So when you start taking out one of these crucial components, yeah. it's not that it can't happen, but it's, you're going to be struggling in an area that maybe God didn't intend. So maybe that yeah. leads us into discipleship because you have this real passion for healthy discipleship. You've seen the need in your own life. You're mentoring this next generation. You're a voice in this next generation. So from what we were just saying, define for us really what healthy discipleship looks like for you, how we can know where we are kind of in the trajectory and what might need to, to shift or adjust in our life. Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, I find that in different um, spaces, discipleship can be sort of modified to mean different things for people. But every time I hear the word discipleship for me, I'm immediately drawn to two words that Jesus said, follow me. Mm -hmm. And that invitation to me really just captures the heart of what discipleship is, which is followership, which is submission, which is yieldedness, which is total surrender, which is giving up who I am and who I think I should be for the sake of following him, imitating him, being like him and just embracing his character as my own. And so when I think of discipleship, I think of Christ likeness and Christ likeness is not something that we arrive at in six months or eight months or a year or 15 years of doing it. But it's a constant journey. We're following him constantly on this side of eternity, eternity until we see him the next and in that process of following him, we're constantly being transformed and changed and molded to be more and more like him. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I think of discipleship, I think of a lifelong process. And for it to especially be healthy, we have to understand that it is going to be a lifelong process because there's going to be things that God is going to be breaking, removing, uh, changing, shifting. There's so many things. You know, I realized when I started going through the process of really just developing my spiritual life. I began realizing how just even in the short 21 years at the time when I had started, there was so much that God had to undo and so much that God had to break down and so many things that he had to shift in my perspective and my belief system and my view of myself, my view of him, my view of the world around me. There was so much that God had to do that. And I still feel till this day, even now, presently, he is still doing and working mm. day by day, season by season, that I'm realizing this process of becoming like him is truly lifelong, like that until I draw the last breath, I'm constantly becoming more and more like him. Mm -hmm. And so when we think of discipleship, follow me. And when I think of the word follow me, I'm not looking at, okay, sitting in a classroom doing this or doing that. When I think of the word follow me, I'm thinking it's an invitation to a lifestyle. It's yeah. an invitation yeah. to a change of the way in which we do life and the pace at which we run in life and the things that we pursue in life. And so even those two simple words just within themselves really come with a huge invitation to such a shift and change in your life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I think of when I think of discipleship and when I think of healthy discipleship. It's truly a transformation of who I am entirely until there's no more of me left and it's mm-hmm. all him that people see. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what comes to my heart and to my mind when I think of discipleship. That's just, it's. I mean, I don't know how it could be said any better than that. To sum it all up with those two words, follow me, which sounds easy on paper, but like you said, it's a lifelong journey. It looks different for each one of us. Um, In one of my Bible studies, I wrote something that's, um, it came to me as you were talking, grace is the undoing of something old and the unfolding of something new, because Mm. really the becoming that you're talking about, it's a lifelong Mm. journey, but there's the unbecoming of something else that the undoing of false, false ideologies or false ways that we're looking at God, A.W. Tozer said, what we believe about God is the most important thing because that shapes everything else. So do we believe like back to our earlier point in the conversation that God is good and what he has for me is good because we won't follow someone that we don't trust. Right. This journey of trust really is, is hardwired into the journey of discipleship. And, and that's freeing in a way, Christina, you don't know me very well, but my background is coming out of um, a lot of performance-based approach mm-hmm. to my relationship with the Lord, perfectionism and never feeling good mm-hmm. enough and, and God loving me because of what I did more than what I, who I am. So through his grace, we've worked through that, but I think it's still a challenge for me to mm-hmm. embrace that this is a never ending journey. We're right. never going to arrive. And if you're looking at me, there's air quotes there, this mm-hmm. side of eternity and yeah. that in and of itself is discipleship to to lay into lay back into the goodness of God, be okay with where we are in our journey, never content with just status quo and never growing and becoming, but knowing that we live in this tension of the, the here and not yet. Exactly. God loves us right where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us right where we are. So we've, we've, you've given us such an, a beautiful um, description of what healthy discipleship looks like to follow me. Um, I would just like to ask, let, let's flip the question. Mm-hmm. And I know we don't have a lot of time, but I really want to hear your thought on this. Then identify for us what you would see as unhealthy patterns mm-hmm. of discipleship. You mentioned pace. That's an issue for me, staying on God's pace, following him at his pace. Maybe yeah. give us a couple of the things where you could say, in your desire for discipleship, here's some red flags to know that some things might not be happening in the healthiest of ways. Um, so that's a good question. I would say another thing, in addition to pace and being mindful of the pace, you know, I, as a church pastor, I'm sure you can relate to this. You have a lot of people who oftentimes will come and talk to you and will be very frustrated at where they're at in their spiritual growth because they don't feel like they're progressing. They don't feel like they're moving forward. They're still dealing with stuff that they're trying to let go of. And, and I often hear that frustration and I, and pace is something that I oftentimes bring up. You know, you have to be, you have to surrender to the pace that God has for your life and you have to understand this is going to take time. In addition to pace, another thing I I would say is an indication of something that's unhealthy is when we view our discipleship process as a transactional relationship with God that uh, that, okay, I'm going to I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to grow in my intake of God's word. I'm going to grow in my ability to worship. I'm going to grow in my ability to, you know, serve in my church and do all these things. But as I do that, 
there is this motive behind that that says, as I do that, God is going to do this for me. And there's this like transactional view that we have with God sometimes where we convince ourselves that if we just do what God tells us to do and be who God tells us to be, then we'll have our prayers answered, our needs met, the, the miracle we're looking for, the provision we want, the opportunity we want, the doors that we want open. And we begin to see this sort of like a relationship that's based on transaction, that I give this to God and God will give me this back. Mm-hmm. If I'm a good disciple who makes disciples, God will do this for me. And I think that's another indicator of um, an unhealthy view of discipleship. Yeah. That we are not called to follow Jesus and to be disciples because God owes us anything or because we're expecting for God to do. The very gift of becoming more like Christ in the process of discipleship is the greatest thing we can take away from the process Mm. of yielding ourselves to that. And that is a period. There is no comma after that. There is no, and then God can do this for me. No. Mm. Now, are there, are there spiritual rewards that come from living a life of obedience, from living a life of surrender? Absolutely. But we don't go into the process of developing our intimacy and spiritual growth in God for the sake of getting something from him. He's already given us everything we do need. And it's, it comes in one word called grace in that word, everything we want has already been given to us. And it's so amazing to me that when I have conversations with people, I look at them and I, and I say, look, there, there is nothing more that God could give you that he hasn't already given you through Christ. It's not a matter of getting it from him now. It's a matter of stepping into what's been made available for you. And you step into what's been made available for you when you learn to yield yourself to the life he invites you to live, which is to follow him. Mm, And so I think that transactional aspect that sometimes we have could be an unhealthy. The other thing I would say, and I see this a lot just as a pastor and someone who's very passionate about discipleship, I get this a lot where People who want to genuinely walk through transformation and really see spiritual maturity and development can sometimes build um, this sense of codependency or, or, or be so dependent on people to constantly walk with them that they're never able to thrive and just soar on their own. Mm. And I think part of healthy discipleship is reminding people that you have been given everything you need to have in order to live a godly life and a life that honors the Lord. And while people are there to help cheer you on and to help provide support and encouragement, they don't need to be the crutch for the rest of your life that you need to eventually soar, not based on your own strength or ability, but on the grace of God that enables you and gives you the divine empowerment you need to be the person that God has called you to be a representation this kingdom of who he is and of his heart. And so I see a lot of times I had recently, um, I had been discipling a group of women recently um, for about a year. We were going through this in-depth discipleship process together. And as the year was coming to an end, I was like, okay, guys, this is this is now your opportunity to go out there and to apply the things that you've received, the things that we've talked about, the things that we've prayed together on. All these things now that you've received, you've got to go out and now multiply and allow mm. the Lord to use that to bring a change in someone's life. And the joke was in that, in that, in that meeting, like, well, can we have like a three more month extension in this? And can we, can we still like be discipled? And I had to cut the cord and say, no, because I don't want you to associate your spiritual growth with me. That's, it's not me. It's Mm -hmm. God. Now you need to learn to have that dependence on him and trust in him and know that as you're taking one step at a time, he's there to empower you to live the life that he's called you to live. And so these are some of the things that sometimes I notice are an unhealthy indication of discipleship not really going the way that it's supposed to when we have this unhealthy attachment to people in order to feel like we need to have those people constantly to do the right thing to make the right decision to have the right outlook to you know grow in our spiritual development that and i think when we look at our discipleship efforts as some type of transactional relationship with god mm, those would yeah. be 
that, I mean, guys, you can hear the wisdom that's coming out of her (laughs) and I'm sitting still, but like inside I'm like running in circles because it's just so good. There's so much truth in what you just shared because we don't want to just, it, we might have to start in a place of, listen, I need a little hand holding. I don't even know how to read my Bible. I don't know where to start. Yeah. But the goal, as you're saying, is the Holy Spirit is our guide. He yeah. illuminates scripture. He guides us into all truth. So yeah. we want to not just be doing a Bible study uh, so that that person can walk us through hand by hand, but to be learning how to study the word for ourselves. And there are right. so many wonderful models and tools to get you started. Um, mm-hmm. Just reading the Bible and and maybe listening to a commentary, you know, the uh, Terry Cobble D group, any of them, there's a ton out there, but yeah. to just start somewhere to recognize um, where you are in your journey, no judgment yeah. in that. But if you're a beginner in your discipleship process, then it's going to look different than someone yeah. who's been, you know, serving the Lord for a while. Although we're all still, as Christine has been saying, growing, becoming, yeah. transforming, but maybe one of the most impactful things that you said, Christina is just having Christ's character formed in us. Mm-hmm. That is the gift. Yeah. So let's just put a period there in his mm-hmm. goodness and his mercy and his grace. Yes, of course, there are spiritual rewards that happen, but that's mm-hmm. not the reason that we sit down and do our checklist of I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read my Bible. It's to know yeah. God, right. to know him right. and to be found in him. And, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm writing a paper on Elizabeth Elliot right now. And so I read a quote by her yesterday that said, the point is Christ formed in me, right. not me in a different set of circumstances. The point is Christ's character formed in me and mm-hmm. Christ formed in me. And so that happens on the anvil of life. It happens in adversity. It happens in prayer. It happens through discipleship and study and worship and community and all the things that we're saying. But our goal here is to be like Christ and to, to be transformed into his likeness. And as we do that, we will see the byproduct of that relationship, but this is not transactional. This is a covenant relationship that he owes us absolutely nothing. And out of his grace and goodness and mercy, we're invited into this relationship with him and then into healthy relationship with others. So I hope this conversation has been insightful for a number of reasons, not only to hear Christina's story, hear how the Lord has led her. There's a million directions we could have gone. We were agonizing over like, where do we want this conversation to go? Because there's like 10,000 things I want to talk about with her, but uh, your heart and passion is to see people discipled. And so I appreciate you kind of helping us to frame. This is what it looks like. Here's some, some potential pitfalls and that, you know, let's just be aware and uh, let's just be healthy as healthy as we can in our approach. We didn't even really get to some other areas I wanted to talk about, like longevity in ministry Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. having healthy habits. But I would imagine that one of the ones that you would say is what we were talking about, just a lifelong pursuit of loving Christ being formed into his, um, uh, you know, likeness, are there one or two other small, quick things that you would share that like, listen, this is a marathon and not a sprint. We don't want to burn out. We don't, we don't, we want to be able to finish strong here. So for someone who's listening to say, okay, I really feel like I'm leaning into what you're describing with discipleship. 
but mm-hmm. I want to have longevity. I want to be able to, to sustain this for the long haul. Give us a yeah. couple of quick tips for healthy uh, habits for that, Christina. Yeah, I would say one, develop a prayer life. Uh, you know, without prayer, it is impossible to accomplish and to live the life that God is calling us to live, including following him. And so I would say prioritize your prayer life more than prioritizing your checklist. I say just take a step back and say, what is my intimacy with God? How much communion communion am I experiencing with God? That would be the first thing that I would really, really highly, highly encourage. And the reason I say this is because I've had so many conversations with people who've come back to me, you know, six months later, a year later and said, you know, here I was trying to get the checklist right and trying to do the things that I needed to do on a daily basis. And I kept struggling. But the moment I began incorporating and prioritizing prayer, there was now power that I could experience to do the things that I needed to do, whether it was walking away from certain things, being available more for intimacy with God. Mm. All those things became empowered through prayer. And so prioritize your prayer life more than anything else. And the second thing I would say that's very helpful is get around people that you see have already gone the distance and are at the place in their walk and in their relationship with Christ where you can look at and say, that is beautiful and that looks healthy and that is where I need to be. And get around those people because I really do believe that just as much as negative influences have a way of impacting and shaping us, so do positive influences. And so I think it's so important that on that journey of becoming, that you are surrounding yourself with people who are also becoming and who are constantly in that posture and place of growing and prioritizing their walk with God and yielding a life to him and pick out. And it doesn't have to be a crowd of people. If you could find one person, two people, just gravitate towards that and begin to do life with those people so that those habits and those values and those priorities begin to impact and shape the way that you also shape your values, priorities Mm -hmm. and steps and so on and so forth. So good. So much wisdom. So, so, so much wisdom. What I'm hearing here is we don't need to, we don't need to be striving. We need to be surrendering. And in that posture of surrender, the power flows from that place of prayer presence relationship with him rather than I'm going to strive and do all the things and, and have power over this addiction and, and get my quiet time on track. Like just start with prayer and and prayer is just communication, just being honest and being yielded the yield in this. You've said that a number of times being yielded, surrendered, obedient, um, blessing always lies on the other side of obedience. God defines what that blessing will look like. And we don't obey for blessing as we've said, But if we want to live a blessed life, Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who does these things, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but wants to be in the company, as you're saying, of those who are prioritizing their relationship with the Lord. Then you're going to be like a tree planted by the water. It's going to yield fruit. There's fruit, there's discipleship, there's growth, there's longevity, there's flourishing. So, so much good, rich truth coming out of you, Christina. I know you haven't written a book yet, but at some point, I hope a book on discipleship and all these (laughs) healthy habits. I'm just, I'm speaking pathetically that I hope that is something I can do to come alongside of you in that because your voice is just so needed, especially I think in the younger generation, teenagers, young adults to just feel like, I, I don't know that all the models we've, we've given them have been as healthy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, just do it. Isn't yeah. necessarily the healthiest approach the, the love relationship with the Lord is, is the driving force. So thank you so much for your own yieldedness and surrendered mm-hmm. life. I always like to close with one last question that Christine is going to pray for us guys. So don't hop off until you really just receive her prayer over you and, and, um, her blessing over your life. But 
I know you're a, a Bible girl through and through. So um, with our mutual love for the word, other than Jesus, who is the person in the Bible that most inspires you to make life matter? I would probably say, and in each season, the characters change a little bit, yeah. but I would say currently Paul, um, I've been spending a lot of time studying just the epistles, his writings, his work, and it's just been deeply impactful to see his passion mm-hmm. and to see the the level of conviction that he has led by. And you can almost hear it in the way that he writes and in the way that he communicates. And um, that has been really impacting me in a lot of ways in this particular season. So I would probably say Paul for now. <laughs> I love that. I love that, Christina. Yeah, there's yeah. so many. I agree. It, it kind of depends on who I'm studying at the moment. Yeah. But boy, talk about a model of discipleship. He's just, um, yeah, yeah, I'm teaching teaching on in Israel in a couple of weeks. And, uh, by the time this airs, I will probably already be back, but I was reading Paul's words to King Agrippa last night where he, I'll be standing there at Caesarea Maritima where he argued and gave his testimony and King Agrippa said, well, I'm almost persuaded. Yeah. (laughs) Think about this life so well lived, what a transformed life, you know, and uh, Paul is such a a picture of the constant becoming that we've talked about. You talk about an absolute radical transformation that happened on that road to Damascus, but then it was a wilderness operation. And then it was a lifelong yieldedness of surrender. Even when it got difficult, we read his works and we think about him being, and I hate to use this phrase, but the rock star of the new Testament, but he was shipwrecked and, and lonely and abandoned and in prison and all the things. And so we have his reading, we have his work, we have his life work, anointed, inspired word of God, because he chose a a posture of surrender. So um, beautiful example to us as you are, Pastor Christina, we're so grateful for you and for your husband and all that you're doing in our area. And uh, on the other side of DC, we're partnering to see this whole region and community that needs the love of of Jesus and uh, revival in this region. So would you just pray for us as we end our conversation today? And I'm just so thankful for our time together. I love that. Thank you, Angela. Yes, we'll do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have blessed us with and just for the opportunity we've had to have this conversation. Lord, I just pray for every listener right now, God, for every man and woman listening to this. Lord, I pray that they would begin to experience your divine presence and nearness in their lives. Lord, I pray for any and every heart that may be feeling just discouraged or hopeless in this journey of following you, of becoming more like you. I just pray right now, Lord, that they would begin to experience refreshment, that they would begin to experience hope. And God, I pray that they would be reminded by your spirit that you are there leading them every step of the way and that you have made your grace available and possible for them to step into, Lord. God, I just pray for blessings over every single person that's listening. And I just pray, God, that they would continue to see you and know you and feel you and understand you and experience you in deeper degrees of every area of their lives, Lord. We thank you for this time and we pray for blessings over the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.